Your favorite PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors are right here every week on Next on the Tee. Join Chris as the greats of the game share their stories, insights and playing lessons. Now, back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now joining me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is TaylorMade Golf Senior VP of Research, Design and Engineering, Todd Beach. Let me give you a little background on Todd. He earned his undergraduate degree in engineering at the University of California at San Diego and went on to earn his master's in applied engineering from there as well. Started out his career working for Sparta Inc., which makes products for the defense industry for the federal government. He joined TaylorMade back in April of 1995, and I'm very excited he is with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Todd, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Chris, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Todd, I want to start out talking about how a guy with his master's in applied engineering who spent a dozen years working in the, in the defense industry transitions over and starts to help, you know, make great golf clubs over at TaylorMade. How'd you make that transition? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a pretty blessed uh, guy and an engineer to have had that opportunity. I've been at TaylorMade now almost 25 years here in April. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Back, it just so happened I... Like you said, I graduated from UC San Diego uh, with my engineering degree, and like a lot of engineers, got a job in aerospace at the time with a local company and was cruising along my career. But I started to find out that um, Carlsbad, which is just north of San Diego uh, suburb, uh, is really the Silicon Valley of golf manufacturers. And some of my friends were getting jobs uh, in the industry and I started paying attention and, uh, an opportunity came up and I was able to uh, apply for a job at TaylorMade and, uh, was fortunate enough to, to get in here. And, uh, it's, it's been quite a run since it's, it's been very challenging, very interesting. And I, you know, learned a lot in, in the aerospace days that I was able to apply here because I was there for 11 years before getting to TaylorMade. But, uh, um, the golf industry and equipment industry is really, as an engineer, is one of the most challenging and exciting things to, to get to work on, especially if you play golf yourself. So I've been very blessed that way. And Todd, you know, I mean, it, in my mind, I'm conjuring up images, you know, the aerospace industry and, you know, aerodynamics and all of those sorts of things. You know, talk about how you're able to take those, you know, applied skills that you had there and that in the, in the previous role. And now bring that over to golf clubs and how those two have the synergies because, you know, aerodynamics and swing speed and all of those sorts of things are, are things we talk about a lot and we see a lot on commercials. How does it actually apply? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, when I first uh, took the job, I kind of thought, hey, this is going to be easy. I'm going to get to, we've got the kingdom driving range here. But we didn't have it at the time I started. We, there was a driving range down the street, but I thought I'd be, you know, out there in the afternoons working on my game and uh, dropping my handicap. And it turns out that uh, they say, actually, you know, one of the, the problems with the golf industry is your handicap generally doesn't drop. If you're in the equipment industry, we're all working pretty hard. It's pretty competitive. And the technology really is uh, pretty challenging for an engineer. But, uh, yeah, so I got in here and my, actually my background was more, I was working on missiles, um, kind of defense type contracts, a lot of advanced materials of composites and titaniums and aluminums. 
for that application, you know, and, and very high, highly loaded. They had to be very rigid and stiff to be able to, you know, navigate in and hit their targets and all that stuff. So I was thinking, hey, this is going to be easy to apply this stuff and go- how hard can golf be, right? And uh, it so turns out that when you look at golf, um, you know, that really it starts with, it's it's kind of uh, surprising and, and counterintuitive when you think about it. The ball is going from zero to, say, 180 miles per hour in the case of a tour player like a Dustin Johnson. He's probably pushing 190 sometimes. But it goes to zero to 180 in a half of a millisecond. That's .0005 seconds. It's instantly up to speed. And the ball experiences um, 30,000 Gs of acceleration during that time. And the club is then decelerating by 10,000 Gs. And it's a pretty violent collision. So you basically are trying to make sense out of that, understand all the physics that are going into that. And then on top of that, you've got this product that's got to perform for the best athletes in the world that are highly particular, have hit hundreds of thousands of shots and know exactly how that club should look and feel, how the launch angle should come off, the spin rate. Um, And then you're trying to maximize performance for these golfers. And then it's got to work for a wide range of golfers. As as we all know, you know, the difference between a tour player and your average player is, is a big change, right? So, we have to design for such a wide range of of skills, um, and then you throw into that that it's a you know it's a high volume consumer product. We make you know seven or eight million of these clubs per year, um, and nowadays, uh, back when TaylorMade started, it's actually our 40th anniversary. You know, we started in Chicago area, um, and uh, where a lot of the golf industry was. But now they've, they, they really, TaylorMade invented the investment cast uh, metal wood made out of a high-strength steel. And most of that technology was in Los Angeles for the aerospace industry. So that's why they moved out here. Um, but it's, um, you know, now it's, it's most of the, uh, of the golf industry is based on the West Coast. You still have Ping that is in uh, Phoenix. Scottsdale area, and you have Wilson out in uh, um, Chicago still, but most of us are, are out here. Um, so it's, uh, you know, the industry was here, um, and uh, ultimately uh, that, that aerospace industry just couldn't keep up with the finishing demands that golf has. I mean, they basically said, uh, hey, we can, uh, you know, this is good enough for an airplane component. We're like, no, 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 this stuff's got to look like jewelry, you know. And so they eventually started throwing more labor at it. That kind of moved down to uh, uh, Tijuana, Mexico at one point. And then we kind of started using Japan and ultimately Taiwan. And now it's kind of all, all over the place in terms of having the, uh, you know, the resources to, uh, to make the, this, this quantity of product. So we're trying to manage this global manufacturing process, design players at work, clubs that work for best players in the world. Um, and it's a, it's a highly marketed product. Um, you know, we run TV commercials and magazine ads. Obviously, social media is playing a much bigger role. We have these types of uh, um, talk um, opportunities to, to get the word out. So compared to aerospace, I was kind of like, whoa, this is, 
this is a lot because, you know, aerospace, you, you write a contract to the government. There's multiple bids. You get the contract. You work on it. And you're kind of focused on one thing at a time. And, boy, with golf, there's a lot of physics, a lot of different things going on, and a lot of different products. So it, 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 was, it was kind of a wake-up call getting over here. Um, back in 95 and uh, but it's been a fun ride ever since and you know my career through TaylorMade has kind of progressed uh, from being more limited where I was started off working on if you remember the bubble shaft um, that was my first project um, which was a a pretty cool technology it was a special uh, manufacturing technology that was developed by our our, at that time owner which was uh, a French ski company called Solomon um, and they had developed that ladder molding process for making hollow skis. And uh, then I transitioned from that to uh, kind of applying my technology, materials technology, to our advanced technology group where I was looking at new types of metals as well as composites. Then I went on to uh, leading the Metalwood uh, uh, R&D team for quite a few years until... A few years ago, I took over um, uh, leading the entire R&D department. So now it's, you know, we got everything from metalwoods, iron, putters, wedges, uh, balls, bags, gloves. You know, so it's, it's a lot of different products to, uh, you know, to try to, you know, really make. We, our goal is to not just be what we were known as back when we started as a metalwood company, but to make the best products in, in every category and i think we're, we're really starting to to do that year after year as we as we kind of bring parity to all the product categories for taylor made so todd there's there's a few things i want to expound on that uh that you just mentioned first of all when you brought up the bubble shaft my father's got a set of bubble shaft uh you know metal woods to this day i believe in his garage what happened to the bubble shaft yeah, the bubble shaft was an interesting story. Like I said, it was a, a new technology. They actually, um, they were going to, uh, they were, the reason it bubbled out like that was they, their idea was to call it the integral shaft. And they were going to make a grip that had like a, a plastic injection molded piece that would smoothly transition from the end of the grip, the bottom of the grip to the shaft. So there would be no step down there. And then one day somebody showed somebody uh, a, a club without that plastic piece, and they're like, "Oh, that's kind of cool. It looks like it goes down and then bubbles back up." And uh, TaylorMade, it was, it was back in like '93, '94. They were developing this, uh, and uh, it turns out that they had a prototype that um, was played by Jose Maria Olafabel at the Masters, and he won it playing that in '94. And all of a sudden, there was this buzz of, "What's this?" secret shaft is there something special there and so when i came on in 95 that's when we launched the uh, burner bubble um, which was really a, a collaboration of TaylorMade with nissan design who was based in here in, in san diego that they kind of came up with this new color scheme and it was kind of this this brownish copper color which was you know non-traditional at the time and and because of the buzz around the bubble shaft it really gained a lot of uh momentum in the marketplace and really helped catapult TaylorMade, you know, back um, onto a a really good trajectory um, year after year. And next year after that, we came out with the Thai Bubble, um, which was really our first titanium 
driver, um, and then ultimately came out with the tie bubble too. Um, and we're kind of going down that path all the way to the 300 series that we came out with at the end of 99, which, uh, was kind of the first time we went away from that copper color. Um, and because we kind of gotten too far, I think they were starting to almost look orange at the time where we got, okay, we got to get back to just a serious club that, you know, you don't want to turn people off on the, based on the color of your club. And, and so we had the bubble in there, but then we were starting to look at, you know, what is really the performance difference in that bubble? And we, and we said, you know, we can really, with the modern shaft technology, we can match the weight and the stiffness and the durability with more of a uh, conventionally shaped shaft. And, and we decided then after, after that product line to start to, to go with more traditional and since then, we've really been working with all the top shaft suppliers to to really identify which of their shafts, aftermarket shafts, work best with our products. And that's kind of been the trend ever since is, hey, let's let them do the work to really optimize and do the best shafts. And we'll test a range of those with whatever head we're doing and see what's working best and what's kind of hot on tour, what's hot in the marketplace, and really give the golfer as a stock product, you know, what is really a, a custom shaft. And we have a number of, you know, no upcharge custom shafts as well that um, golfers can choose from if they do want to get custom fit. Todd, you mentioned a moment ago, you know, things being counterintuitive and your M5 and M6 drivers are a fascinating story because the face is actually so hot when it's, when there's nothing in it that it's illegal and you actually inject the resin into it to sort of bring it back into being legal, which is sort of counterintuitive. I think what most people envision when we see the injection, we think, well, they've injected something in it to make the face hot when it, when the reverse is actually true. Talk about that process in the M5 and M6 drivers. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris, because as an engineer, we would have rather had marketing tell that story, but it's a, it takes a little bit longer to get it through, but that is the true story. And so, when we say injected twist face, right, it does have those two tuning ports in the in the face, which were a very challenging thing engineering-wise to do, because they have to be perfectly flushed, because obviously we don't want to have any impact to the ball flight. And also USGA has a rule on that, that they have to be perfectly flushed. But what we, uh, what we did there is exactly what you said. And, you know, the way it's said is injected twist face, you'd almost think we're injecting flubber in there or something to give more speed, you know, to the face, but to juice it up. But actually what we're doing is traditionally the way faces are made is they're not exactly made the same every one because it has to be made with a high grade of titanium that is actually welded on um, to the rest of the, the titanium body. And then you have to grind off that weld bead and then you have to polish it flush. And every time you do that, there's some variation in the thickness which set causes some variation in how speedy the face is. And in order to respect the USGA rule on, you know, traditionally golf companies have had to design so their average face speed is below the USGA limit because you don't want to have, if, it, if you kind of over polished a little bit, you don't want any of those to exceed the limit. And what we've traditionally done in the past is we would cherry pick those faster heads and just give those to the tour players, you know, that were up closer to that limit because, you know, we don't use very many of those. But for the average player, you can't afford to 100% cherry pick or you'd be throwing out all the ones that were a little bit slow. 
So in re- reality, whenever anybody would go in to buy a driver in the marketplace, it's kind of like they're playing the lottery. You know, you're, you're paying, you know, $450, $500. We're up to $550 now. That's a lot of, a lot of dollars for a driver. And, you know, you're essentially playing the lottery on uh, where you get a little bit slower in the middle or a little bit fast. And we said, you know, that's, that's not really fair to the golfer. We'd like to be able to offer them what the tour players get. So we really thought, how do we do that? Can we just polish more carefully to get them all to the same level? But that just takes too much time, and you can't guarantee you do that. So we kept thinking, kept thinking. We said, well, wait a minute. We can actually make a non-conforming driver. We, we used to do that for Japan when there was no limit in Japan. We can make it durable and everything. So what if we actually make every driver non-conforming um, and they'd still have that variability due to polishing. So there'd be a range of, of speed. Some would be way faster. Some would be just a little bit faster than the, the legal limit. And then let's 100% test those with the with this uh, device that is has been designed by the USGA to test conformance. We'll 100% test them. And then we'll write a, an algorithm that will determine how much of a resin to inject in each of those two ports to slow it down right below the legal limit so that every driver is just right below that legal limit. So that's kind of the story of what we did, but that takes too long to tell, you know, when you're running a 30-second TV commercial. So um, I'm glad I finally got a chance to tell to your users, hopefully your listeners, hopefully that uh, that makes sense and, you know, it's, it's a little bit more easy to understand what we were injecting there. And Todd, Twistface technology is, is an absolutely fantastic design. I'm curious, is, is there more to do with the structure of the face that can get, you know, get us even greater accuracy? And, and are there limitations for what you can do with the face of the club according to USGA rules? Yeah, it was interesting. We were kind of worried that they, uh, they might balk at the Twistface idea, but it, basically all it is is every driver you know, has been designed um, all the way back over 100 years ago. They discovered putting bulge on a driver helps bring the ball back to the middle. Um, it was before that they would actually try to make concave faces. Because intuitively, you'd think you'd want a radar shape, you know, to point to the middle. But because of this phenomenon called gear effect, you know, when you hit it on the toe with a driver, the head rotates. When you're looking top views, it would be rotating clockwise, but the ball puts it puts counterclockwise spin on the ball because they're acting like two two gears that are locked together, essentially. That's what gear effect means. And so um, traditionally what golf companies have done is they use a robot to, to determine what the bulge radius needs to be to bring the ball back to, to the middle. And that's what we would always do. We'd you know, design the mass properties, the size of the face, all those things, put it on the robot and start to change the bulge radius from, you know, say, 10, 11, 12, 12 and a half, whatever it needs to be in order to bring that ball back to the middle when you um, square the face at impact and uh, hit it on the toe. Well, it turns out, um, you know, robots don't really play golf. Humans do. And it turns out when we started using these modern tools to actually measure where every ball goes with all of our player testing, and where the, they hit it on the face when it goes there, we started to discover that there's some trends. When golfers tend to hit it on the, they tend to go from high toe to low heel. That's just kind of where the misses are. 
um, through the center, obviously. And when they miss it high toe, what tends to happen, and most every golfer can relate to this, they can tend to hit, they overcook it. They, a lot of times they'll hit the snap hook, which ends up going too far left for a right-hander and too low, right? And we're like, that's weird because we don't see that on the robot when we hit t- high toe with our old bulge and roll. So we started to say, well, what could we do um, to counteract this? And we said, well, what if we twisted the face in order on the high toe in order to be a little bit more open on the high toe and a little bit more loft? So when on average, when a golfer does hit on the high toe and tends to overcook it there, it comes right back to the middle and uh, gets it up in the air a little bit more because they're kind of de-lofting it as they overclose it for a high toe. And just the opposite on the heel we found, they were tending to hit these weak fades that were going a little too high and crossing the, the center line. So we de-lofted it on the lower heel and we actually closed it a little bit on the heel. So we twisted it there as well. So that's basically how twist came about. It was based on hundreds of thousands of shots, big data that we'd collected um, with our player testers, which were out player testing all day, every day, five days a week. We have an actual sod farm we test at in here in in uh, San Diego, which has nice, perfectly manicured grass. They cut it to our specifications. We're hitting right into the wind, and we have all these measurement tools out there um, that, that basically discovered that, right? So since then, you know, we did that with the original driver um, with our um, M4, um, M3, and M4 drivers, but this year we put it into our fairways and our rescues because we just didn't have enough data uh, last year um, to do that. So now we've done the same types of testing, collected enough data, and it actually turns out you need a little bit more twist in the fairway and the rescue. So instead of a one degree twist, twist like we have on the drivers, we actually have a one and a half. So for us, that was just really exciting to see what big data and analytics can do um, and some of these new modern measurement tools that allowed us to go from the way bulge and roll have been designed for decades um, to really a more modern way to do it with using real golfers, real humans, and modern tools and analytics to dial that in. So we were pretty excited to discover that. And we're, we're definitely hearing just with all our fitters out there and the tour player feedback is like they're getting a lot more shots in the fairway and you're seeing a lot less of those you know, big misses um, on high toe shots and, and things like that. So it's that's pretty exciting. Todd, we're we're running out of time. God knows I've got a ton of questions that I'd love to get mm-hmm. to with you. But one more before I let you go. I know as we all get excited uh, once we get past the holidays and we look ahead to the PGA merchandise show in late January. Uh, I know you can't give away any trade secrets or anything that's uh, you know that we'll get the great reveal on when we're there. But uh, some emerging technologies are some things that you might be able to sort of wet our whistle so we get excited for the PGA Merchandise Show and what TaylorMade uh, might be uh, presenting there. Yeah, I think, uh, Chris, I'd love to uh, share more of that with you and your listeners. Um, I'm just going to have to ask you to be patient. We'll probably be coming out uh, hopefully sometime in December with uh, – you know, an announcement at least on, on the internet before, you know, the show and everything. But yeah, it's, we've been working on this for, um, 
pretty much three years out uh, is when we started working on the products that we're, we're um, going to be handing off here early next year. Um, and uh, we're really excited about it. We think it's a, a nice, uh, real breakthrough in some of the things we've been working on. We're still going to have, you know, evolution of the uh, multi-material technology we came out with in 2015 with the M1 and the M2 drivers that have continued to evolve. Um, the irons we're very excited about. We're continuing to just give more speed and better feel, which is always a challenge with those. So those are, are performing great. Um, and, uh, you know, we got some new balls coming out as well. So I think, you know, just across the product line, it's going to be great. We did, we did just come out with some great products this fall too. I'm sure you've already seen in the marketplace. We have a brand new P790 iron that's hitting the marketplace. We just came out with a really cool, P790 titanium iron. That's probably our best performing, you know, kind of um, player's distance iron there. So for the guy that, you know, just is willing to pay to get the best, it's got a very low CG. It's a titanium construction with a uh, almost half the weight is in a tungsten bar down low. Um, we've got a new uh, uh, wedge called the MG Millgrind 2 wedge that has a, a raw face that gives more spin, especially in wet conditions and I think we just came out with a new uh, finish on one of our Spider X putters as well. So there's a lot to look at now. If you want to go to our website at uh, TaylorMadeGolf.com and look at the clubs there, and hopefully you'll be able to see some some uh, glimpses of what we're coming out with early spring uh, here in in uh, late December or early January. Well, Todd, like I say, it's 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 been fantastic you having you as part of the show. Completely fascinated by the things that you talked about. And I've got, like I said, I probably got a dozen more questions I'd love to get the answers to. So hopefully uh, we'll have an opportunity to catch up with you uh, between now and and uh, and the PGA Merchandise Show and, and certainly afterwards after all of the reveals have happened. But uh, you've been fantastic. I hope you'll come back sometime. Oh, I'd love to come back, Chris. Yeah, anytime. Todd, take care. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to that next time already. Okay, thanks for having me. See you, Todd. That is Todd Beach, and again, he is the Senior Vice President of Research Design and Engineering for TaylorMade Golf, and uh, I, I could have gone on for probably another hour, hour and a half talking to Todd and, and, and you know all the amazing things that they are working on. Like I say, didn't get an opportunity to talk about the golf balls because I know they've got some great stuff happening there, and like I say, I'm a, I'm a first-generation spider putter and uh, player, and uh, it has made a world of difference in my putting game and uh, the, the advances and the things that they have done with sight lines and materials and, and made that uh, a little more compact. And then the face a little bit different is absolutely spectacular. So hopefully we get an opportunity to catch up again with Todd and talk about those things. One of the things that I also wanted to talk about with Todd and folks, those P790 irons are, you know, look like, you know, some of the best irons you'll ever play. One of the things that uh, we need to talk about with respect to those is getting fit and making sure they're fit for our golf swing. So uh, hopefully we can get Todd back on the show and talk about the importance of, of being properly fit for, you know, for our swing. So not only for the irons and not only for the woods, but for the golf balls, too. That makes a big difference. We think it doesn't, but it does. So hopefully we can catch up with Todd again here uh, and before, uh, before too long. 